It's great to be with you all this morning. This first sermon of 2010, I think, is a great opportunity for us to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. I trust that many of you have created some New Year's resolutions. That's a good idea. I hope you'll keep them. I hope you have room on your list, though, for me to add one more. I have one more resolution to add for you this morning, a resolution for all of us. Uh, This resolution comes to us out of a number of passages of Scripture, particularly this morning, though, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4. You can turn to that first passage. 1 Corinthians 12 is where we'll spend the bulk of our time. And the topic that these passages reveal to us is a topic that is essential and and applicable to all of us, yet is often overshadowed by controversy. We're going to be talking this morning about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is a, is a subject that is often lost in the debate over the miraculous gifts, like healing and tongues. Are they around today or not? Well, I have very little to say this morning about the miraculous gifts. That's an important discussion, but it's not my, my point this morning. This morning, I want to focus us on what's truly essential about spiritual gifts. Now, if you have questions about the miraculous gifts, uh, Buck is here this morning. You can talk to him. No, you, you're welcome to... to Uh, Email any of us on staff. We would love to talk to you about the miraculous gifts, but again, that's not our subject for this morning. This morning we want to talk about what's truly essential about our spiritual gifts. As we look at these two passages, we're going to learn four things, four truths that the Word will reveal to us this morning. Number one, that every single believer in this room is supernaturally gifted by God. Number two, that our gifting makes us absolutely unique. Number three, that our unique gifting is essential to the health and growth of this church body. And number four, that as we use our unique gifting, we bring great glory to God in this church and in this world. So that's where we're headed this morning. That's what we want to look at. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start with the first of those truths. We're going to start in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues." But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. First truth that this passage reveals to us about our spiritual gifts is that every one of us has been supernaturally gifted. That's uh, really the focus of the key verse here, verse number 7, to everyone, to each one. Now, now this is not a promise to all human beings on the planet, to all men and women in their natural state. This is a promise to all people for whom verse 13 is true. Look at verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. Now, you'll recall from our study of the book of Galatians this fall that at the moment we place our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified, and at that moment the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. 
In other words, men and women aren't born with the Holy Spirit. We are born sinners separated from God, separated from his spirit. Our sin separates us from God and there's no way we can earn our way back to God. There's nothing that we can do to fix our problem of sin. And so God has reached down to us. And some 2,000 years ago gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life among us and then died as a sacrifice, a substitute for our sins upon the cross. And then God raised Jesus from the dead and now he offers to all men and women, all people, the free gift of eternal life. Eternal life is a relationship with God and this life in the next. It's a relationship that includes the gift of his Holy Spirit coming to live within us. God offers that gift and all that we have to do to receive the gift of eternal life is what? What do we have to do? Simply believe. Just, you just have to believe that God is offering you eternal life through Jesus who died for your sins and rose from the dead. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead... And through his death and resurrection, you are right with God, then you are saved. You are given the free gift of eternal life. You can never lose it. And in that gift of eternal life, you receive the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, when he comes and invades your life, at that moment in time, he gives you spiritual gifts. That's the subject of this passage, these spiritual gifts that we receive. We want to talk about those for a moment. These spiritual gifts from the list that Paul gives, the partial sampling that Paul lists, these are clearly abilities. They're abilities to do things. But what's really interesting is the language that Paul uses. He calls these spiritual gifts the manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation, it means the the revelation, the declaration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Spiritual gifts are these abilities that God has given us that allow the Holy Spirit to reveal himself through us as we serve one another. In other words, what what Paul wants us to understand is spiritual gifts are not natural abilities. Your spiritual gifts aren't things that you got from your parents. They're not part of your DNA. You didn't get them through going to school. You didn't work hard to accrue them. Your spiritual gifts may be similar to abilities you had earlier in life. The person who is a talented teacher before their conversion, when they become a believer, God will often gift them in an area that's similar to where they were naturally able. They may be given the spiritual gift of teaching, but the spiritual gift of teaching transcends what they are naturally capable of doing. The person who is given the spiritual gift of teaching is able to do supernatural things for God. They're not limited by their natural abilities, by their education, by the things that they have done or received. It's a spiritual gifts, when we look at what Paul is saying to us, spiritual gifts at the end of the day are supernatural abilities to serve the church. They go beyond nature. They are are God's supernatural investment in your life of abilities to serve his church. Now the word supernatural makes sense of some of the gifts that Paul says, doesn't it? When we think of prophecy, healings, miracles, those things sound supernatural to us. But notice Paul also lists knowledge, he lists wisdom, and later in this chapter he's going to list service and administration. Now, when I think of of the gift of administration, I'm not really thinking supernatural. That that word doesn't seem to fit the idea of administration, yet Paul wants us to understand that the believer who is given the spiritual gift of administration has been supernaturally gifted as much as the person who's given the gift of healing. Healing and administration are as equally supernatural. In truth, this whole idea of miraculous gifts, it's a misnomer. They're all miraculous. 
Spiritual gifts are God's investment in your life of supernatural abilities. They transcend what you are naturally capable of doing. They transcend your education. They transcend any natural abilities. They allow you to do supernatural things for the glory of God and the good of His people. So that's what gifts are. Peter gives us a little different way to, to look at these spiritual gifts. He helps us to understand them more fully. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, As each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Peter is telling us that these spiritual gifts, they are a stewardship that God has given us. A stewardship is a, a tool or a resource that God gives to his people to use in this life for the service of his kingdom. It's like your money. God gives you money, not so that you can hoard it, not so that you can uh, worship it, but so that you can use it as a tool to bless other people, to take care of your family, to bless the people of God. That's the same idea of spiritual gifts. They're a stewardship, they're a tool, a supernatural tool that God gives you to serve His people. So the first truth that that we want to learn this morning about our spiritual gifts is that every single person in this room who's trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior has been supernaturally gifted by God. Now let me admit, you, you may not feel that way. You may not feel like you have supernatural power in you, like you're supernaturally gifted. And yet, if you are a believer, you just need to take it on faith. Paul says it very clearly. You are supernaturally gifted. You have supernatural abilities within you. If you don't feel that way, that's okay. Just take it on faith. As you start to use your spiritual gifts and you see God do supernatural things through you and the lives of others, it gets easier to believe. It's easier to believe that there's something bigger than you inside of you, doing things that are bigger than you can do. Every single one of us has been supernaturally gifted by God. And that leads us to to truth number two that Paul has for us about our spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Look with me, starting in, let's start in verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Paul's point is that your supernatural gifting, your spiritual gifting, it makes you absolutely unique. You are a unique member of Christ's body, of Christ's church. Now, I've kind of compiled from four different passages, from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. Here they are, there's 19 of them, I'm not going to read them all. The ones in red, those are what we generally call the miraculous gifts. They, they tend to be given by God in times and places when the gospel is going into a new group of people who've never heard it before. God gives these miraculous gifts so that they will see that this message is worth listening to in an established church context like ours here at Grace where there's a church on every corner where the gospel's widely available. These seem rarer. They don't, they don't seem to be given by God as much. But the ones in black, those are always for the church. Those are always here. Now, now these 19 gifts, I put them up here not to say to you that there are 19 types of Christians. 
19 types of possible combinations out here, Christians. No, there's 19 gifts. When you combine those 19 gifts with our individual personalities, our, our natural gifting, our upbringing, our education, the possibilities are limitless. There are an infinite number of possibilities when you combine this with our personalities, education, and upbringing. In other words, you are absolutely unique. God's supernatural gifting combined with who you are makes you absolutely unique. There's not two of the same of us anywhere in this church. I think that's Peter's point, 1 Peter 4. Let's look there for a second. Peter says, as each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's the key word, manifold. It means various, diverse, multicolored. We are stewards of the multicolored grace of God. In other words, God is not one-dimensional. He's not a cookie-cutter creator who likes to create cookie-cutter versions of saints, all the same kind of people. No, God loves variety. He loves to create uniqueness in things. He is a creative creator. I think that's obvious when you look at his creation. I'll give you one example that I grew up with. Uh, Oak trees, live oak trees. We had them in our yard. As a kid, I discovered this is the best tree for climbing and building forts. I I love live oak trees. They're beautiful trees, I think. I've seen a lot of them. I've climbed a lot of them and built forts in a lot of them. And I've noticed over the years, there's a lot of things that are similar between live oaks. They're all the same species of tree. They have the same kind of bark. They have the same shape of leaf. They have the same type of branch structure. There's a lot of similarities between live oaks. And yet, with that said, I've never seen two identical oak trees. Never. Never. Structure of their branches is always unique. The number of leaves is unique. The twist of their trunk is unique. What's, what's interesting is that if I was creator, that's not how I would have done it. If I was creator, I would have chosen the easy way. I would have, would have made a really nice looking oak tree, and then I would have hit the copy button a million times. And there you go. You got all the oak trees you need. But, but God doesn't like uniformity. That's, that's not his style. When you look at creation, it's obvious that God is the first and greatest of all artists. He's not interested in uniformity. He loves creativity and variety. So at the level of the DNA of an oak tree, all the way down at the level of its genetics, God designed in variation. He made sure there would never be two identical oak trees anywhere on the planet. Every single one of them is unique. God gave every oak tree the opportunity to display his glory and greatness in a unique way. And if that's the beauty and variety and creativity that God invested in oak trees, how much more that he's invested in us? When God takes a person out of the kingdom of Satan and he delivers them into the kingdom of his beloved son, he does it in a unique way. He takes the, the, the unique personality and education and upbringing of that, of that person and he combines in his own supernatural ingredients, these spiritual gifts, and he makes every single one of us unique. Every one of us is beautifully unique because God's the greatest and best of all artists and he loves variety. Now, my, my wife and I learned that when we moved here to College Station about six years ago and I became a pastor here at the church, Julie came to College Station as a pastor's wife. And so she began to ask herself, well, what does it mean to be 
a pastor's wife, and she started to look at and observe other pastor's wives, a couple in particular that we were around a lot, and, and Julie tried to model her life after these women, to be involved in the ministries that they were involved in, to do the things that they did, to say the things that they did, and, and over time what that led to was frustration and disappointment, because Julie is not identical to them. She was not made like they were made, and then a few years ago, Julie had the opportunity to come on staff here at the church and do graphic design, to build our website and to do all of our graphic media. And um, I think all of us would probably agree who are on staff, Julie went so far beyond anything we even imagined possible for our church. She, she took us in directions we never thought possible. We now have something like 30,000, 40,000 people a month visiting our website because of her gifting, because of what God could do through her in a unique way. Julie found a niche that perfectly fit her unique gifting because God doesn't make cookie-cutter pastor's wives. He makes every pastor's wife unique. Every believer in this room is absolutely unique. God has made you unique and special because he's not into uniformity. He loves to give every one of us a unique opportunity to display his glory and greatness as a creator. Every one of you are absolutely unique. God has given you unique gifting, and that gifting leads us to truth number three that we have in these passages. Your gifting is essential. Your unique gifting from God is essential to the health and growth of this body. For this church to grow, we need you. Look with me, 1 Corinthians 12 again. We'll start in verse 20. But now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacks, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, Paul gives us a biological example, an analogy to look at. If we want to understand the church, we're to look at ourselves, the human body. Now, now my my human body here, uh, God has designed it where there's a lot of parts in there, a lot of organs inside of me, and and, and I need all of them. I need all the parts that God has put in me. There's technically some organs I can live without, but if you remove them, I'll never be whole. There will be consequences because God designed me to be whole. He designed everything to work together to keep me healthy. Well, so it is with the church. God designed us to be whole and to be whole and to be healthy and to grow. We need every single member here. We need the contribution of every part of the body. That is how we grow. In other words, there is no expendable member of the church. There is no expendable person here, some person we can live without. Every believer in this body is absolutely essential to the health and functioning of this body. Now, unfortunately, uh, that's, that's kind of counterintuitive in American churches. In churches here in America, we've developed a really unhealthy model of church. We've begun to view that the truly essential people, the people we can't live without, are the people up here on the stage. People like Brian or I or Josh or Tim. That, that's the people you can't live without. But guess what? That, that's a lie. That's not true at all. I, I am absolutely no more essential to the functioning of this body than any of you are. In fact, I was thinking about it earlier today. You know, if, if Brian and I are the larynx of this church, we're the voice of this church, well, you can live without your voice, but a couple of you are kidneys. 
And we can't live without you. We desperately need you. There are people here who are more important than Brian and I. Because it's not about the staff. It's not about us. It's about all of us as a body working together. That's Paul's point in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says to us, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What Paul is telling us is that the way that we individually and corporately grow up in our faith, grow to be more like Jesus, is by all of us working together. Every joint, every part, doing what each of us is uniquely created to do. It's only as all of us play our unique part that we grow. In other words, I can't grow up in the likeness of Christ if you don't serve. If you don't use your unique gifting to bless this body, I can't grow as much as God wants me to because I'm dependent upon you just like you're dependent upon me. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Where you go out there and you do your own thing, you grow up in Christ-likeness on your own, that's non-existent. That's a lie. Christianity is about togetherness. It's about all of us working together, using our unique gifting to serve one another as a body, all members, all parts, all organs, working together to grow the health of this body. Now, I think that actually reveals to us the secret of why Grace Bible Church has not just been surviving but growing for the last 40 years. It's not because you hired a talented staff. It's because of the sacrificial, supernaturally gifted service of so many of you. The reason this church is here and is strong isn't because of us pastors. It's because of you. It's because of you over decades using your unique supernatural gifting to do supernatural things in this body. This church is strong because of people like the the guys at the back. I'm going to point out Gary Peterson and David Cooper for a minute. Here are guys who have the spiritual gift of service combined with unique abilities in the realm of electronics and audiovisual media. They combine that together to play a unique role here. You want to talk about who's truly essential. There's plenty of people who can speak, but we'd all be in the dark without them this morning. They're the guys who God is using to make church happen on Sunday morning because God is using their unique gifting combined with their unique education and experience to do something absolutely vital for us to grow. This church is strong because of people like Harry Coyle. Harry has the gift, I think, of prayer. Harry prays like crazy. He leads the prayer ministry here on Wednesday afternoons. He's done it for years. It's men like that getting together and praying, lifting up our needs before the Lord. That's why we're strong. That's why we grow. This body is strong because of women like Nancy Stimson. Nancy is gifted supernaturally in the realm of teaching. She has actually come and taught people like Brian. She's taught Brian and I how to teach. She's come taught our college leaders for years how to teach because she's so good at it. God has gifted her so uniquely to bless this body. In other words, Grace Bible Church is going to be fine if you lose Brian and I. You lose us, who cares? It's not about us. This church's strength is not founded on us. It's founded on you. On all of us together using our unique, supernaturally powerful gifting in the service of the Lord. That's how the church is meant to grow. All of us playing our part to serve the Lord. All of us is unique and the church needs all of us. We are all essential to the health and growth of this body. And the number four, as we use our unique gifting to serve this body, the result is that all the glory goes to God. 
One of the primary ways that we display to one another and to this world how great and wonderful our God is, is by using our unique supernatural gifting to do supernatural things. That's Peter's point, 1 Peter 4, verse 11. Peter says, whoever serves is to do so as one serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What Peter's teaching us here is uh, there's a fundamental difference between gifting in a worldly sense and gifting in a spiritual sense. How do we treat gifted people in our world? Athletes, movie stars, musicians, how do we treat them? Well, we praise them. We, We heap fame and money and glory upon them for their gifting. But that's fundamentally different than how it works in the church. How are we to treat gifted people in the church? When God uses a believer to do supernaturally remarkable things among us, where does the glory go? It goes not to that person, but to God. Why does it go to God? Two reasons. Number one, because that gift came from God. They didn't make that gift. They didn't earn that gift through education. That gift isn't part of their DNA. That gifting came directly from God. It's a supernatural investment of power from the Holy Spirit. They didn't make the gift. The gift was from God, so the glory goes to God. But there's a second reason that the glory goes to God when we do supernatural things here. Because not only did God give us the gift, but God gives us the strength to use the gift. Notice Peter's point. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. These spiritual gifts that God gives us, they come with a catch. God has given me some supernatural gifts once I believed in Jesus Christ. These supernatural gifts came into my life, but he gave them to me with a catch. I can't use them without his help. If he doesn't strengthen me, if he doesn't work through me, my spiritual gifts are absolutely pointless. They're meaningless. That shouldn't surprise us. These are supernatural gifts we're talking about. Supernatural gifts require supernatural power. God has to be the one working through us for these supernatural gifts to make any effect. I remind myself every Sunday that I preach that if I get up here and I speak out of, out of my gifting of teaching, God has given me the spiritual gift of teaching, if I try to do it in my strength, through my ability, through my ingenuity, through my creativity, it will be worthless. Just go home and don't waste your time. Because I don't have the power to use my gift. I need God to invade my life this morning with his supernatural power. That's the only way it'll mean anything for you. It's the only way it'll do you any good is if God is behind it. When we use our spiritual gifts, all the glory goes to God. Because it's not only him who gave us the gifts, it's him who empowers the gifts. He's the one behind it all. All the glory goes to him. That's why when each of us uses our unique, supernatural, spiritual gifts to serve one another in supernatural ways, that's one of the most glorifying things we can do. When supernatural things happen here in this body through through our use of our spiritual gifts, people notice, we notice, and people in the world notice. The world notices that, man, there's, there's something happening in that group of people that goes beyond what I can naturally explain goes beyond what I can explain by nature or education or upbringing. There's something supernatural going on there, and that brings great glory to God. When you use your gifting, that's one of the primary ways that you make God famous in this world as as an incredibly creative creator, a powerful and wise creator. We bring great glory to God as we use our spiritual gifts in the service of his people. So four truths that God has for us this morning from these passages about our spiritual gifts. Number one, every believer in this room, whether they feel like it or not, has been supernaturally gifted by God. 
You have supernatural ability, supernatural power in you because God's put it there. Number two, your, your supernatural gifting makes you absolutely unique in this body. There's not a copy of two people in this room. Every person here is a unique member of God's body and, and every person that, that unique gifting makes every one of us absolutely essential to the health and growth of this body. We can't do this without each other. This body grows and it thrives through all of us serving together. And as we do that, truth number four, we bring great glory to God. One of the primary ways we declare God's fame in this world is through using our supernatural, spiritual, unique gifting in His service. So let me give you a few applications to walk away with. A few things that I'd I'd like you to consider applying here in 2010. Um, First of all, I'd like to give you one overall resolution to add to your list. I'd like to challenge every one of us in this room. Let, let a resolution on our list for 2010 be that this is the year that each and every one of us steps up and uses our unique supernatural spiritual gifting to serve God's people. Whether you use it here in this body or in this community, use your gifting this year. I want that to be a resolution. Now let me help you to do that. How do you begin to employ your spiritual gifts, your unique gifting to serve God's people? A few practical steps. Number one, if you don't yet know how God has gifted you, I challenge you in 2010, let this be the year that you discover God's unique gifting in your life. Do you discover your your unique spiritual gifts and how God has crafted you with his infinite creativity to uniquely display his glory and serve this body? Now, a couple ways that you can do that. Number one, we have on a periodic basis at this church class, a class called SHAPE. S-H-A-P-E, shape. It goes three Sundays consecutively. Sure, we'll have one here in the spring. That's one of the best ways you can go find out what your gifting is, how God has crafted you, how you can use your gifting here in the church. So uh, join the shape class if you've never done that before. That's a a fundamental part of your development here. Uh, Number two, before that time, or if you can't make the shape class, one of the best ways to discover your spiritual gifts is just ask someone else. Just ask another believer who knows you well. Sometimes our our spiritual gifts are more obvious to other people than they are to us. They can see what God is doing through our lives, what supernatural effects God is bringing through our service. So ask people around you, hey, how has God gifted me? What gifts do you see at work in my life? So let 2010 be the year that for sure you know, you discover how God has gifted you. That's the first step. You need to know how God has gifted you. Once you know how God has gifted you, the second practical step is you need to develop your gifts. Okay, these gifts, they, they come from God, they're empowered by God, and yet God desires us to develop them. They need to be honed and refined. And the best way that I know to develop your spiritual gifts is to tag along with someone else who has your gifting. Tag along with a more mature believer who has been using the gifting that you've discovered in your own life for years. Now, in my own life, way before I came on staff, I, I discovered, okay, God, you've, you've gifted me in the area of teaching. Who has the gift of teaching? Well, well, Brian. He's a good friend of mine. I began to tag along with Brian. Began to just do what Brian does. Go show up in the ministries he does. Talk to him. Go to lunch with him. Discover. Brian, how do you use that gift? What does that look like? How do you develop it? What do you need to do to use that gift more fully? Just tag along with someone. We're talking kind of about mentorship here, discipleship. Find somebody else here at the church who is gifted like you are. Uh, there's some of you out there that are gifted in the area of service. You would like to serve the church, and maybe you have some abilities with electronics, with AV. You need to go talk to Gary and David after service. You need to go talk to these guys who've been using that unique gifting for years and ask, hey, can, can I tag along with you guys? 
Can I go to lunch with you and discover how can this gifting be effective in this church? Can, can I join you on a Sunday morning and see how you use your gifting to serve this body? So develop, refine, hone your gifts here in 2010. And finally, the third step I have for all of us is we each need to use our gifts. Plug in somewhere here at Grace Bible Church where you can use your unique supernatural gifting to bless the body. Now, one of the best ways to find a place to serve is that shape class. It's actually, it ends in an opportunity to plug in directly into a ministry here at the church. Now, until the shape class, or if you can't make the shape class, I encourage you to come talk to one of us on staff. We, we pastors are actually here. We do a number of things, but probably the most important thing that you pay us to do is help you do ministry. This church is strong not because of what we do. We, we help you. We're here to help you discover God's unique gifting and unique place for you to serve. So come set up an appointment. We'd love to talk to you about how God has gifted you and about how you might do supernatural things here at this church for the glory of God. So this year, as we, as we enter into 2010, I, I really challenge you to step up and use your gifting. I, I believe with, uh, with all my heart that 2010 can be an incredible year of growth for Grace Bible Church, but it's only going to happen as every one of us plays our part. 2010 is not going to be a great year for Grace Bible Church if it's all based on what the staff does, if it's all based on what a few of us do. It'll only be a great year as all of us step up and use our unique and essential gifting to bless this body to the glory of God. So let's pray for that to happen. Let's Let's pray that 2010 would be a remarkable year, a year where, where not only us, but everyone in this community looks in these doors and says, man, there's something beyond nature going on there. There's something supernatural in their midst, and they glorify God. Lord, thank you that you have not only saved us, you've not only given us eternal life, you've not only saved us from the penalty of our sins and guaranteed us heaven, but you've done far more than that. You've filled us with your Spirit, and through your Spirit, you've given every one of us supernatural gifting supernatural ability, supernatural power to do supernatural things in this body for your glory. Thank you so much, Lord, that you've given us these these tools, these resources to serve one another. Thank you that every believer is essential to this body. You've designed it that way. It's not that you need us, but you designed us so that we need one another. And so I pray that every person in this room, Lord, would make 2010 the year where they step up, where they discover and develop and use their unique essential supernatural gifting to serve this body for your glory. We pray indeed, Lord, that, uh, that as, as we serve you, that people would notice, not only that we would see the supernatural effects, but that this community would, that men and women who don't yet know you, who are alienated from you, would be drawn to you through our service, that they would see that there's something supernatural in this body and that they would be attracted to it and that they would hear the gospel and that they too would receive spiritual gifts to use in the service of this body for your glory. Thank you so much for all that you've given us, all in the name and through the ministry of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have a great new year as you use your spiritual gifts. God bless.